Welcome back to the Full of Chit Chat podcast on charliedemares.substack.com, also on the Harbinger Media Network. Thank you for listening wherever you are listening. And uh, if you are enjoying the show, please do uh, rate and review on whatever platform it is you're using to ingest. And I chose ingest about three words before I said ingest. And, and I knew the moment I plucked it out of wherever it was inside my head that it was the wrong verb. It was the wrong action word. It's not, no one ingests podcasts. And yet it's what I chose and I committed to it. Uh, so let that uh, show you my loyalty. Once I've chosen, I go. Uh, so uh, wherever you <laughs> ingest your podcasts, it is the second time. Uh, please do rate and review. Share us with a loved one, uh, uh, an enemy, or someone about whom you have no uh, feelings in any kind of a charged way whatsoever. Uh, and uh, I do appreciate your, your joining me. And, and we'll see how uh, today's episode uh, goes, as I have very recently eaten uh, several pieces of fish pakora and a stuffed naan. Uh, which is not a, a suggested, I didn't go to podcasting school, but no one su suggests uh, <laughs> ingesting those things right before a recording. But here's why I'm not worried about my half of today's podcast, because I have on the show, could I ask for a better guest? I don't think so. Uh, I don't <laughs> think that would be possible. I have uh, uh, just, um, if you are a lover of... Not, not only music, I feel, I feel like my guest is not, though, though he is uh, just absolutely one of our country's greatest in, in terms of music. Uh, I, I, don't, I feel like music does not contain him. It's not a big enough category. Uh, he is uh, uh, you, you, he, just a, a master of so many different um, styles. You've, you've, you've seen him in, in sort of the live cabaret world of the God that comes. You, you've, you've heard him in his uh, solo albums. You've, you've heard him as part of the supergroup Mounties. Uh, he's one of the people who uh, I consistently get the most of like, whoa, you're friends with that guy. It's Hoxley Workman, everybody. <laughs> Hox, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. Uh, that was awfully kind and lovely, and thanks for all that. And uh, <clears throat> it's uh, yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting life, isn't it? We well, we make things for a living. That's what I that's what I've got it kind of whittled down to. I, I figure yeah. I just make things for a living. When something needs to be made, and somebody looks in my direction, if there's a check, to, you know, with my name on it and a number, then I'm like, yeah, oh, sure, I can make that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that seems like a uh, you you. you I, I'm, I was trying to think like when was the first time. When did um, Hoxley Workman come onto the, uh, you know, on the horizon of my uh, knowing? Well, that was the most pretentious possible uh, formulation like of that sentence. But like um, so it was, uh, you know, I remember the first person who, who mentioned you to me was also the, the first person to um, uh, make me aware of the Argo restaurant. So that, that person is two for two. That's uh, Jordan Kochuk, um, uh, who, who first uh, mentioned you to me. But the first time I heard you uh, on the radio, um, and the first, time I, the first song of yours that I heard was um, uh, The City is a Drag, which is still 
uh, one, one of my favorite of your songs, and two, if I ever run for mayor, um, is going to be my campaign song. Uh, but I, I, I was listening to you when I was uh, uh, in, in the very last season of my uh, sort of day jobbing life. Uh, I was working as a groundskeeper. And, uh, you know, I was, I was a comedian, like I was, I was doing um, the debaters and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I, was, I was working as a groundskeeper at a, at a, at a um, housing complex in the suburbs. And I was, you know, downloading uh, CBC podcasts to listen to through the day. And I, I heard you in an interview and I, and, and I heard your song and I was like, this guy is, uh, this is incredible. This was 2008, um, the summer of 2008. Thank you. Well, man, you know, well, A, the CBC has been, you know, they've been very kind and, and um, I try to write things that are, I have a mandate, you know, my, you know, when I think you're born cool and I think people who are, I think people who are cool know it. And I think that I know that I'm not and I'm, I'm hazarding a guest only because I can say this because of your phenomenal brilliance that I, I gather that you're probably not cool either. And here's the thing. Cool is is a category that sort right. of there's a recalcitrant sort of cool like you got to it's a reservation and mm -hmm. I think that I'm a naturally earnest person and earnest is the kryptonite to cool like you can't have that's one. true I want everybody to to get into the game and I want on I want to have the smiles and let's let's all have a big thought together and create a big idea and we're gonna high five when we like we have that sort of inner excitement as we sort of relish our connection and um, you know I I'm into brilliant people like that's I think my fascination with you has always been that this guy is is so obviously uncommonly brilliant that this is to me especially now i think through these sort of covid times and now out in, out in bc you you've had sort of one version of events and we have ours but mm -hmm. it's definitely led me to believe that i mean i've been doing a lot of uh, reading of european history lately and i've just been thinking a lot about leadership i read some machiavelli and the winner and i'm just thinking about humans and how we organize ourselves and i it I, well, I don't know exactly what I'm driving at here, but I guess what I'm saying is... I hope it's towards an album called Machiavelli in the Winter. It's <laughs> my one hope. That I think... <laughs> I, I want... Why can't there be more brilliant people? Why, <laughs> why, why can't I just have a... Um, um, why is it that when I uh, uh, do find a brilliant person, like, uh, you know, it's like, wow, like, holy smokes, everybody, stop what you're doing mm. and just... And just take a second here. It's like a rare bird. And I feel like, you know, even uh, I just so, I, yeah, when, I, all I'm saying is you can have the song for free when you run for mayor, but please do run for mayor. <laughs> because wouldn't that be an extraordinary thing to have? Look, I don't know much about your mayor, but I will say, uh, look, brilliant people in positions of power. Like, let's make that the new thing. I uh, well, there's so much in in what you just said, and you're you're very sweet. And we have a we have a pretty good mayor in in Vancouver. Um, okay. Kennedy Stewart is uh, yep. um, uh, it, it, the, the mayor is the mayor who I voted for uh, in yep. in the in the most recent election. Which is that that's I mean always you know it's it's I guess the best feeling you can have in an yep. electoral scenario, uh, um, unless things are going uh, in in a really bad direction, and it's the person you voted for. Then you're like, oh man, you got your frustration uh, compounded by complicity i don't know uh but that that's you know so far i, I uh, a pretty good mayor 
Um, but I, I and, and, and when you talk about brilliant people, I mean, I think uh, the, the, the quote that always comes to mind, I, 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 don't, I don't have the, the exact wording, but people should, um, should Google it. It's an incredible, um, um, but Stephen Jay Gould in, uh, I think in uh, his book, The, the Mismeasure of Man, um, uh, but he talks about essentially that, 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 that someone like, a, like an Einstein it's not the rareness of the Einstein, it's, it's the rareness of the, the circumstances that mm. allow for an Einstein to be an Einstein. So, so, yeah. so for, for Gould, um, you know, who was this brilliant um, biologist, he said, you know, the, the more you study human beings and, and their brains and what they know, the more you realize that just we have, um, you know, a thousand Einsteins have you know, anonymously died in lives, right. you know, sharecropping. And I think about this all the time. Yeah. I think about this all the time because, well, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with this very thing. Like, well, first of all, just the, the how common were really special people. And I mm -hmm. think as I've gotten older, the disparity in that ratio gets wider and wider. But when I was a kid, it's like, man, it must be like one in a thousand. And then it's like you get older, it's like, hmm, could be more like one in 10,000. And then you get a little older, it's like, man, these are few and far between. But I think you're right. I also think about this and analyze the sort of complexities of time and place with things like the Beatles and how the 60s mm -hmm. got to happen and how sort of this, this you know, how technologies and people all emerge and in, in, in the, the ones who sort of operate w with a, some sort of harmoniousness with the times, like, and, and who can kind of rise and become iconic and, and, and or like the sort of be the namesake of a watershed moment in history. Like it, right. it's so much about being the person ready at the right moment. And I think in effect, I think I'm sort of reverse engineered what you just said about that, that quote about Einstein. It, yeah, it's a lot about showing up and being the right person when the time comes to be that person. And yeah. I think, like you say, there can be a lot of like exceedingly special people that, that just operate within the realms of what is maybe considered just a normal life that don't get to sort of find that stage or that opportunity. I, I don't know. And then I guess there's two, like, <clears throat> I think, you know, I also look at you and, you know, I'm, there's an intimidation even because I, again, I, I am, I'm very cognizant of how bright you are, but also I find people like you are similar to me. Maybe I find a little bit of our thing in common that how industrious we are. And I would, I would mm. put that, I would put that forward only in the face of this idea. It's not just time and place. It really, you're not just going to walk into an opportunity. It's, it's what's that hard work makes luck or whatever that quote is. That uh, right. That the, the harder, I, the harder I work, the luckier I am, or right, whatever that, the, uh, the yeah that that quote. I I I I see that for sure. And I I. I, but but what what you're saying around time? I mean, like we're right now in the midst of such an exceptional moment, right? And I mean, uh, you know, I I think often about the fact that, uh, you know, like we're we're probably twenty years out right now from just an an incredible efflorescence of like like okay, let me let me let me let me start with the bad and then go into the good. Like I would say we're probably about twenty years out from some of the worst uh hockey that the nhl is ever gonna see right like we're, we're gonna we're gonna come into this period where everything that involved like team stuff um we're gonna be there's gonna be kids who had this you know blank spot blank spot in, in the middle of their um formative childhood years where 
you know, for, for 18 months, 20 months, they couldn't go to practices. They couldn't be around other kids. They couldn't, they couldn't be passing the puck. They couldn't be spending time to get, you know, like, and so, you know, 20 years down the line, is there, is there going to be this like kind of haze or static that comes over, you know, statistics in team sports where it's like, Mm -hmm. wow, we really see it at the Mm -hmm. same time. Are we going to see this, this massive efflorescence of brilliance in anything that involves kind of solo concentration, mm. the, the, the woodshedding hours of just being alone? Because I look at like what my daughter has done this year in terms of her drawing mm-hmm. and the amount of time that she has put into just pencil and paper, uh, you know, illustrating things over and over, like doing portraits of our dog or, or just like free form kind of imagining. And like, she's just at a place where, you know, and I, and I feel like I can say this outside of the, the kind of, you know, subjectivity of like mm. the dad who everything their kid yeah. does is brilliant. It's, <laughs> it's not seven-year-old kid drawing. Like it's yeah. just, it's on an order of magnitude. So every time I think of like, shit, you know, she was getting so good at Kung Fu and now she's just had this 18 month break. Yeah. Um, she may never get that time back, but she also would never have had this kind of time to, to develop, you know, as, 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 a, as an artist, visual, you know, drawing. Yeah. I, I hear you a, a million percent. I mean, I also hear that, I hear sort of the hierarchy of what achievement means in I can smell it in your soul and I, and I can feel it. And I know it, I know it true and deep within myself. I feel that the same, like I'm packing as much learning as I absolutely can in every goddamn second. And I hear exactly what you're saying about this. It's funny. Again, I think about this all the time because I was a kid who oddly just uh, without parents pushing me and I didn't have stage parents, I just turned into a kid who obsessively practiced and did the 10,000 hours before I was 18. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot about this time, again, time and place, and then the breadth of time and the ability to, how much space you have within that time. So this winter, I lost like 60 pounds. I, I, I've, I have not been drinking. That email that we were all on, Steve and you, I didn't want to wade in with my with my yeah. like, with my high-fiving you guys who are in your, like get, having your, you know, your, your enjoy time about all the, but, and I think I've had to kind of keep it a little bit under wraps too, because there are a lot of people suffering right now. But what I would say is I, it's been an extraordinary time for me. I have not been home this long in my entire adult life. I practiced guitar all winter at at least an hour, hour and a half a day. I became the guitar player. I dreamt of being when I was a kid. Um, I, I wow. was... I was uh, doing my Duolingo French every day. I was going deep, like I said, with Machiavelli, going deep with European history, going deep thinking about um, even, you know, it's just having this time and space and to feel healthy. Again, to follow up on the narrative that you and Steve were were discussing in that. And and to clear this up, so so you and and Steve Bays and I were on a a group text and we were talking about, um, you know, getting healthy in this. So, so I have, uh, you know, and it's slowed down now, but, but so at the beginning of the, uh, towards the beginning of the, the, the pandemic, I I lost about 40 pounds and, and, Um, uh, thank you, man. And one, and, and to you as well. Like, I mean, I, and then, you know, it's, 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 that's a pretty big thing. I mean, between the two of us, uh, to have lost, you know, a, a, a you know, a, a pubescent 
child uh, uh, between us, um, which is, you know, would be horrible news if we were like at the fair, you lost a pubescent child. Uh, but, you know, weight loss terms uh, between two men is, uh, is probably good news. Um, uh, but uh, so you and we were talking about this and, and, and uh, um, uh, so, so yeah, so that's the, the, uh, the context for, for the, the conversation involving uh, the, yeah. the mysterious Steve you're, you're alluding yeah, to. Yeah, Steve, that's right. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I hear you with this too, because I think about obsessive practice, I think about excellence, and I think about um, high achievement, and I, I mean... I'm lucky. I feel like uh, just by virtue of the job I am in, I'm around a lot of these, around a lot of these types of people, and I've been thinking about um, greatness and how you get there. And it's you know, it's a constant. I'm constantly crunching the numbers on this stuff because it's it's fascinating to me because the the mastery, the the hours, and, and I think especially too. I mean, I know that as we go on and on, we you know we we want. The, I think that within the the realm of education and and making sure that you know you're raising a kid that is competitive in a in a in a competitive job atmosphere, and the the whole thing is about needing to know more and more about less and less. But there's something like I I, I think that I'm on the slow path to being like a uh, a, a green belt polymath. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't need to be a black belt because those guys are those. I feel like the black belt polymaths, they, they were born to be that. I just feel like I want to dip my toe into a lot of streams. I want to get good at several things and like maintain being good at it, um, which is also a weird thing because I don't know how you feel, but once I was kind of got this job, I like I said, I did the 10,000 hours before I was 18. I just drank for a long time and didn't really do much else. You know, like I was able to write songs and be productive and all that stuff. But, but, was I becoming a better singer? Was I becoming a better guitar player? Was I spending the time on the drums with the paradiddles and the rattamacues and the Swiss Army triplets? And the answer was no, is that certain things kind of went fallow as I chased fame and did all that stuff. But now that all that kind of, that, that part of my life is kind of over and I've, I've got a great career and an established career and all of this stuff, I can kind of go back to this little side mission of getting good at a handful of things beyond what I got good at as a kid and staying good at the stuff I was stayed good at, or that I got good at as a kid. Am I making any sense? Like I just no, one hundred percent. But I feel I like this, this thing is... to fade. You know, I, I kind of no. I, I want um, and and there's a richness too. Like when you stop drinking, uh, like I was drinking a fair amount, I would say, and uh, a lot of that is like it was just preparation for the apocalypse and, and just a, a mode of mm. being where I just was assuming the end was, was around the corner at all times. And of course, I still feel that. I just don't succumb to it. I don't acquiesce in the way I did. I don't sort of make my life the servant to this this bleak outlook on everything. And be, Was that partly that, because the, the apocalypse kind of came? Well, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't ask that to be flippant or, or facetious. I mean, I, re I really like, I mean... You know, part of it is so. So let me let me give some context to to my asking that question because I, um, as as someone who was you know traumatized uh, in in childhood, I, I I have spent my my whole life in in catastrophe catastrophist you know anxious mm. thinking and 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 deep worry and and all kinds of of, of panic. Yep. Whenever. So when Josephine was a kid, a, ba well, a kid, she's seven years old. When she was a kid, when she was a, a baby, when, 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 whenever there was anything actually to worry about, um, 
I would lock into this place of calm because we were in the thing that I was preparing for. Mm-hmm. I remember this one night she just she and I think I've even talked about this on the podcast before but like she just had this the highest fever she ever had and like you know you're talking to somebody who you know I I if if nothing if nothing specific was going wrong I was just this this cloud of anxious mm-hmm. dread and worry mm-hmm. um about all the things that could go wrong but the, in this moment of of things actually i knew exactly what emergency room in the city moved fastest it was the middle of the night i knew how to get there i drove very fast in a very controlled way you know right to the place where we had to go i was calm i was collected like and there has been something about this past year where it's like um you know hasn't this hasn't this been the kind of the stress test or the social collapse that that you've been uh dreading or or prepping yourself for i think i think it has i think though i mean i have a very sharp peripheral vision and i see and like you i was a kid filled with dread and guilt and self-loathing and you know for no real reason uh although then you know there was a certain i say no real reason there there, you know there was always there's there's been things i saw a plane crash that changed a lot for me yeah weird stuff and so um but yeah i mean i look out at it now and i think you know i look at the uh I guess I see that there is an enormous amount of stuff to fix. Like, like, is it going to be climate change? Are we, is there a, like, are we, is there, is there a cold war sort of brewing with, with China between North America, like where there'll be a, a, a baton handoff of, you know, who has the biggest economy that's going to happen in our lifetime. How is that going to be handled? Um, I I mean, it, what's is there is it is another super bug going to happen? I mean, are we ever going to get out from under the thumb of this COVID thing? Like, you choose your pick these days about what is going to be your pet concern, and like, I I've given up because I feel like my righteousness of of knowing, like back back in the day when I had an answer for everything, I don't have an answer for anything anymore. I'm just a fascinated watcher on the sidelines, and I don't understand any of this stuff and i but i do know uh i'm i've been reading this 1500 page european history book and it's what's been the most fascinating thing about it is the unfurling of time before me and being able to look down on the lives of those minoans and then those greeks and then those romans watch them trade watch them move across channels of water and large plots of land watch them as soon as they are able to move start to create wars with the people that are far, far away, that, that these systems of commerce, the utter reliability that humans are, were shallow, greedy, and more often than not thoughtless, except for these, you know, again, great moments in history where you have these brilliant Greeks and their aphorisms and, you know, things that we still say to this day that contain all this wisdom. But no, I look at, I think that I was preparing for a total collapse. Um, Is it going to be Bitcoin and and Ethereum? Like what are, like, like I'm clamoring now. For a long time when I had my 50 acre property and greenhouses, I was preparing for like 
some form of earthly shutdown or some kind of hostile takeover or something in in that was going to you know disrupt my perfectly prepared life from my boomer parents who when they had control of the movie business gave us stuff like goonies and some of the best like childhood fantasy stuff ever like in a way mm-hmm. you know that's right this is not your your parents personally no, control of the saying, movie business yeah the boomers okay. like I look look at a look what a great time to be yeah. a kid. You know what I mean? Like, because these overgrown. Cause th- this is this is like I uh, like one song that has been sometimes very uh, like a song of yours that has been um, complicated to listen to during this time has been the Battlefords. Like, right? Um, uh, because it is, it's one one thing that is. Uh, so you, you're you're five years older than me. But we we were born in um, like you're, you're kind of you were born at the end of something, and I was born at the at the beginning of the next oh, thing. I mean, but like right. we were we were kids at at, at the same time, essentially. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, like Kara and I watched um, uh, Nate Bergazzi's most recent Netflix special, and he's born in 1979. And, uh, you know, it, and it's this incredible thing of that you're, you're listening to this guy talk who, yeah, spent, you know, we, we had our, our formative childhood years in, in, the, in the twilight of this analog age. And, mm-hmm. and, and so listening to that song um, is, is so wistful and comforting in a way um and and also deeply melancholic and 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 during this time has been has been very uh, uh hard sometimes because i feel like so what what is there for um what is there for josephine what is there for me like i'm not ready you know i'm not at a point yeah. in my life yet where i feel like okay well i'm on my way out what's the um uh what am i leaving as as a legacy but but I, I, there's a conversation that I had um, with with George Bowering, um, you know, who was himself. He was born in 1935. His daughter Thea was born in I, I think 1974, it could, but it could be 1971. Uh, but early 70s, um, and like when when Thea was born, uh, George um, and 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 Thea's mother, that like they're they're they like Thea was born. They were living in a commune in Kitsilano. The the Americans had just been driven out of, uh, or were about to be driven out of Vietnam. Um, mm. You know, the revolution was essentially happening. Like this was still like this was the years of the seventies that were still in the sixties. Um, yes. They thought their daughter was being born into um, uh, the age of Aquarius, right? And instead, she's born. You know, a few years before Thatcher and Reagan and the dismantling of all this stuff and and just the just decades of 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 rolling back and 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 um and I, we compare that to George who was born in 1935 he's born at the height of the depression uh when when he's 4 years old world war 2 start starts 65 million uh lives are 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 destroyed and in this is in this incredible conflagration and and you would just think like for the first 10 years of his life you'd think what did we do having a kid and then he lives 50 years of pure like pure you know especially for someone 
who spoke the language he speaks and is the gender he is and, and, and is the color he is and in the part of the world where he was, um, but, but also broader than just those categories, just 40 years of optimism and mm. building. And, and, yeah. and so when Josephine was born, the year she was born, uh, you know, a big sheaf of the, of the Antarctic fell into the ocean. And uh, they, the scientists said, like, that's not coming back. It, it, you know, this happened to cut. Yeah, and, and a little Palestinian baby um, born like a few days after her, uh, uh, killed by the Israeli military the, the summer after she was born. Like this kid who was supposed to be growing up on the other side of the world the whole time, you know, that, 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 that she was alive. Uh, and just all of these things happened this, 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 this first year of her life where I just thought maybe she's being born in 1935. Like maybe it's like, mm-hmm. maybe it's going to be these crazy spasms of, of nightmare uh, before... And, 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 you know, like, who would have thought that Joe Biden, the, the right wing of the, of the Democratic Party, the, 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 the voice of, of, of racist backlash and all the, all, this, all the worst stuff in the part would be the guy who finally comes along and says, we're going to end Reaganism. Like, yeah. I, it's, I don't know. I, I, so sometimes I struggle with the, the feelings of maybe almost being like, weirdly hopeful and not knowing what to do with that well you know i think that um man it's it's so it's so big and and i would need like a whiteboard even to like start to kind of like try to piece this thing together because it's hard for me to crystallize all these disparate elements Mm -hmm. one thing i would say is um i've been talking a lot about music in the 1980s Uh, and for the record my wife is exactly the same age she's 79 and in many ways she skews your wife is 79 years old and that's very progressive of you and i I just really my hat is off to you (laughs) it's a real harold and mod situation Born, 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 born in 79 she definitely her cultural impetus skews more towards the 90s than mine and and mm-hmm. i definitely i think here's the thing i i feel like the 80s even popular culture was still a bespoke item and i still feel like so yes. much of it felt handmade and i've been talking a lot about it because i am the mouthy arsehole who says the 80s was the last great time for um, risky and interesting sounding pop music that was just on the radio, readily available. And there's lots of great stuff on the radio, and there has been ever since, but I, but there was just an audacity to the 80s that we've lost since. I can totally uh, get behind you on that. I, that, that, that to me, I, you know, I haven't given it the thought you have, and I, I'm not a musicologist or by any stretch, but, but I, intuitively, I, that what you're saying to me absolutely resonates. So I think that I sort of felt like as a kid at the time you know the they were using the prefix um astro like we were really under the impression that modernity had had finally weaved its way into the in, in into something very visible and here we were living at the very height of what you know uh of of what modernity would have had to offer and in in music and in in movies and in just in general you know mm-hmm. the fact that we could put batteries in a tape recorder that was small enough to put on our belts and we could walk around our school listening to our songs. Like, So the other thing um, I will say is that the zeitgeist was putting up geniuses and virtuosos into much music and, and MTV, and those were who the zeitgeist was putting forward. People in suits and ties at record labels were putting geniuses and virtuosos on the TV for us as 
to, to mo- that those were our role models and our heroes. Mm-hmm. I think of Paul Simon. I think of Prince and Michael Jackson. I think of um, I think of Van Halen. Um, I think of you name it. The other. So I guess what I'm working towards is what I didn't realize at the time was how close I sat in 1983 to the year 1969, um, and how much of the the general the the fuel of the 1960s and the energy of the 1960s. I think probably the music business at the time was still populated by people who were a part of the, the, the 1960s musical revolution and who were operating with the same premise that music and the music business is a thing where you bring the most brilliant things forward and that's what you give the public because that's what the mm-hmm. public wants. Mm-hmm. I think through the 90s, what ended up happening is there was, I think there was a I mean, there's a lot happening, and, and the 90s didn't make sense to me. I sort of, I didn't find grunge interesting. I didn't find these guys who were coming along to save music from the, the people, the smart people who were making music. Like, even the punk thing, it's like, thank God the punks came, because music was being taken over by these people who knew all the chords, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, but, but I know all the chords, and that's the kind of guy I'd much rather hang around with. This whole, like, no, we need music made by people who don't know how to make music was, as a kid, like, who did, did the 10,000 hours, I was like, that is patently absurd. There's just no way I'm not interested in it. So, there were certain times when when the when the when the, when the pop cultural ethos went towards like we need to hear what the dumb guy does the guy who doesn't know what he's doing does and i'm like i'm always up for hearing like irreverence and i'm always up for hearing like infantile approach to things it's all great like to me but but to me to base a whole movement on it and an outfit and all that i'm like eh. No, 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 no. That's not my kind of thing. But you know, I, I look at the, what ended up happening in the '90s, and you know, Paul Simon made Graceland in 1983 or '84. Like so, and he was a guy in his 40s who the music business was sitting around going, "Yeah, we want to let this guy have at her. Maybe he'll make. You know, he's already made untold, you know, unforgettable music. Music that will be with the the popular culture for the rest of time. But let's see if this 40 year old guy might be able to just push out one more thing. And yeah. let, we're going to put him on TV for eight year olds to idolize. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like him and Chevy Chase, like like pretending they're playing saxophones and like what what passed as popular culture back then was so handmade so absurdly um bespoke and peculiar like then of course the internet would roll around in the in the not too distant future just after that and the whole idea that we were suffering through an extraordinary modernity in the 80s just disappears like the internet bring it it, it it's the harbinger of a whole new way of being and it's interesting i i wanted to also say and I, this is going to be a minor off-road and i and this i might uh, lose myself here but what you were saying about kids and you know the nhl in 20 years and they'll have been this this epoch this 18 months of of where they didn't practice and stuff i've been thinking about how the future is going to look back on our generation and we will be the studied generation who had to handle the internet when it came out of nowhere and changed our lives irrevocably for the rest of time mm-hmm. and for me i look what the internet what 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 darkness the internet has brought to this planet and i i i I wish for my pre-internet brain. I wish for the person I was before this scourge. And and of course, there's wonderful things about the internet, in, in, including what you and I are doing right now, connecting two pals who haven't seen each other in a long, long yeah. time. There's lots great. But I think that when I think about how history is going to look back at the Minoans, the Greeks, the Romans, I think they're going to fast forward a couple thousand years and go, and then there was this time when this scourge hit the universe and we had to figure out how to use it and how to be, um, 
how to how it was it was whether we liked it or not it was just imposed and it's like the pri- it's like the the automobile i mean it's like the combustion engine in the in the sense of of i i just feel like on the one hand the 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 personal conveniences and and pleasures that it offers are just so undeniable and so immediate that yep. it that it that it overrides the ability certainly of individuals but i mean absolutely of collectives to to refuse or or, or to say no to um without some very very uh uh, it, it, uh d- deliberate uh decisions being made um but totally. but on the other hand i mean i like i like i couldn't agree with you more in the sense that i'm sitting here i'm 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 using you know zoom and and wi-fi to to talk to my buddy on on something that i'm going to you know put out to uh, yeah. a few hundred people um all uh, you know on the internet and 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 i i get that and i get that i also you know uh, ordered um the fish pakoras and 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 the stuff non uh with my phone and I, I, but I feel like, I mean, I would trade the ability to order the fish pakoras on my phone um, for, for a rotary that hangs on the wall in a, in a heartbeat. If, if, you were to, if you were to say to me, you can only have one or the other. I mean, I, I was having a conversation with friends the other day. And I mean, this is, and I feel like this is just how kind of crazy it is. Like, I, I, you know, we hadn't watched The Wire in, in, in years and years. And we sat down and watched a couple episodes. Um, uh, and you know the wire is I, I guess said about like two thousand four two thousand five like j- just before um, mainstream social media um, it 's just before smartphones people have cell phones but they don 't have smartphones um, and you know everything about all all of the characters in the wire are in hell like the characters on the uh, police side are in this like decaying um, you know, uh, uh, public bureaucracy that has been starved and, and is, is rotting from the inside. And uh, everyone on the illicit drug trade side is in these like collapsing um, uh, public housing uh, uh, units and, and uh, you know, are, you know, dodging violence. And, and it's just like, it, it's, 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 you don't watch The Wire as an escapist. Like it's not the love boat. But I'm yeah. watching this episode and I'm trying to keep thinking, like, I can't stop myself from going, look at how present everybody is. Yeah. And, and isn't it nice? They're, everybody's just in the room that they're in. Yeah. Nobody's thinking about like, oh, yeah, I'm just sorry. I'm arguing with the, with the, uh, with the guy who's, who's doing my bathroom right now. Or, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm having a fight with somebody I went to high school with on Facebook, um, uh, you know, about uh, whether the Russian vaccine is safe. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just it, like that, that, that to have that freedom to just to be in a place. Um, like, it's, it's the total um, derealization of human existence to the mm. point where I forget yeah. who it was that I was talking oh, Michael Christie, the author, Michael Christie, who who um heir to the cookie fortune i don't know why i said that that was a, a very uh, <laughs> like, see this is the uh this like is when you take a comedian off stage oh, for uh, 18 oh, months yes. um uh, Michael, yeah <laughs> he said uh he said you know now um real life like real tangible yeah. physical life is is the audition for 
uh, electronic space. It's like you're, you're going through life going, oh, this would be good for Instagram. Yes. Or like, oh God, like, so like look at this. Like, they, here, here's, here's an interaction I'm having with, you know, some stranger or some idiot in a lineup or somebody who's, who's sitting in a dumb way on the, on the bus or whatever. That person is of no actual human interface or interactive value mm. to me. The, va- the value that they present is that they give me a, a catchable, uh, shareable image to this semi-visible kind of cloud of people mm. who I've sort of gathered in the electronic, the privately owned, by the way, like uh, uh, electronic space um, that I have online. Like it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in the sense of like I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty kind of um, uh, techno catastrophist in the in the sense of of the internet, and and increasingly I feel like there's very little hope for human society unless we get to a place where the, the internet becomes again, more or less a cultural, uh, su- like a subculture, as opposed yeah. to like, like we can all use the conveniences of it, blah, blah, blah. But like yeah. the internet as a place to hang out and a place to be and a way yeah. of interacting with people, like that has to be just some people. Like I said, in a hundred years, we will be seen as pioneers through this. And if there's any, for me, I've justified writing two nostalgic albums in a row, not because it's like, oh, look, the old ball guy is like, he misses his childhood. Isn't that terrible? It's like, well, no, I am celebrating something very strange that I've been given this weird opportunity to straddle two living universes. Mm. One that I thought that I was born into and was comfortably living in and had assessed my place in and could sort of, you know, operate with some f- uh, fluence within. And it, and it made perfect sense up until I was about 20 or 21 or 22 when the internet became a thing that for any young fledgling rock and roller, I needed a website. And it, I remember it cost untold thousands of dollars to have a website, but it seemed, it seemed, uh, you know, uh, it, it was, it was novel and fun and whatever, but I didn't see the tsunami coming and the opportunities for these, uh, what seemed to me to be, uh, these are going to be generational monopolies that are set up in this moment. Um, the Am- like I look at a- an Amazon and I think, well, how c- how is this not going to take over all delivery of everything in the world forever, including, you know, our postal systems? Like, this is a system that the, what I see is being set up. This is a, a globally dominant system that we will have no choice but to acquiesce to because it will be so efficient. It will be so beautiful in the way that it, it, it achieves its, its, its target goals that we won't need a Canada Post. We won't need a DHL. We won't need these things. But these monopolies are fundamentally uninteresting. And I think that the from the arts and cultural perspective, I think I find people thinking like, oh, isn't it great? Because there's so, there's so many more, you know, there's so much more opportunity and there's, but and there's more gatekeepers. And I feel like, no, 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 there's, there's way less gatekeepers. Like, there's way, way less. There's a handful now. When I was a kid, I remember reading that the cars, the American uh, pop sort of punk uh, new, new wave band, the cars, they broke out of, like, Kansas or something just because some DJ at a, at a radio station, uh, you know, you know in, a, in, a, 
non-competitive radio market said, I love this song. And then enough people heard, you know, you're just what I needed. And then all of a sudden it sort of starts to bleed its way into everybody's lives, like that sort of organic takeover. Whereas now, you know, once you corner your market with your Uber or your PayPal or like, what does that leave for the rest of us who want to have a spin-off version of that thing? Like we're moving into a space where, all the potential monopolies that could have been created from the wealth of the internet or the opportunity of the internet have been taken. What is the next kid going to do? Like, well, we've, we serve humans need to order food and have it delivered to their house while they're still in their pajamas. What, what's left? Like, what's, what, mon, what future um, internet monopoly is left for somebody to move into that space, take it over, and then have it be basically a derelict universe for anybody else who would ever want to move towards that kind of an industry? It's, I find it's all very unartful and uninteresting to be completely honest like well, and it's inter- like what what you're describing is I, I i forget who put it this way but uh you know it said that that most of the mo- like the most recent kind of big breakthroughs in big tech like something like uber or or uh you know that those those kinds of um you know airbnb or whatever it's not so much that they've uh, had some big uh, technological breakthrough or some massively creative thing. It's just that they've, they've figured out a way to do a non-unionized, non-regulated version of whatever it was already happening in the, in the quote-unquote real economy or the brick-and-mortar economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they're, they're floated by VC money, like venture capitalists yeah. give them you know, enough money to, like through attrition destroy their competition uh like just by outlasting them essentially uh, and undercutting them and then and then they just kind of replace so it's not it's not like uber has they've they've just replaced taxis by killing taxis but it's, it's not like they've they uh you know it's not like the difference between replacing um the washboard at the at the riverbed with with a with a uh you know uh stacked washer dryer set like it's 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 not even that kind of level of creativity the other thing is and you have people like i think uh, uh, her first name is mariana but um uh, uh, anyway her last name is mazuko uh you know economist who who wrote a book called the entrepreneurial state and you know walks through the way that like i I, you know i think that the the key example she uses is is the smartphone um but it, it, it the the it's applicable beyond in so many especially with the internet the technologies that are actually being used were developed by by the by public research and and uh, in the public sector so you have essentially uh private private corporations using um you know standing on the shoulders of public uh, money in terms of the research and development of of so much of the technology that they're using, going in and and turning you know formerly competitive markets into you know essentially like you say natural monopolies like um, Amazon is is turned into a kind of a natural um, monopoly and then and then you have you know you know people say oh there are no gatekeepers and it, uh it's like no there it looks yeah. for a few years as though there are no gatekeepers and what what's actually happening is it's just that all the gatekeepers are being removed until there's only one gatekeeper yeah. and that um, gatekeeper gets to sleep because there's an algorithm that does the job now and yeah. it it's it's um 
again, I have to pass, going back to earlier and my bleak outlook, I have to pacify myself now in this new universe. Like, I had been hedging about, you know, I'd been hedging for this whole, like, some sort of human catastrophe that may yet come or we may still be in the middle of it or or it may never come. I can't invest anymore. I can't I can't live under that cloud anymore. And the internet has come along, has changed the game so drastically, and the the next generations that have followed like these kids, these internet kids um they're not like us. Uh, they they'll they'll have had a fundamental they're fundamentally a separate up, style of upbringing. I, I go back often to my life in the 1980s with my brother in rural Ontario. And we, you know, we had our bicycles and our dogs and we didn't have friends that lived nearby. We lived way out in the middle of nowhere. And our imaginations were our plaything On a black and white TV and three channels back in those days, video games were only so interesting. Television was only so interesting. We would ride around on our bikes with a stick and that stick was a magic wand or there was a sword or there was a bow and arrow or then it was a hockey stick or whatever. But my brother with a stick and a bike and me and our dogs lived 15, 16 creative, you know, formative years as kids off in just allowing our being to evolve and to grow into a natural surrounding. And I, I don't, I, th- I feel like there's going to be this funny epoch of on the planet where there'll be a 50-50 split of people who grew up without the internet and then people who did. And we will think and see and operate fundamentally differently. It'll be like having two alien species in trying to inhabit the same space. And let, I, let, let me, let me put, put to you a, a possible... And this is by no way is okay. this is... No, I'm, not, I'm not saying this as a... Um, um, we are better and they are worse. And no, 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 no way no, am I saying that at all. I'm saying that we can't, we should, there should be this, I feel like there's a missed opportunity to have a more public discussion about the fact that we're going to have to integrate. And we're not going to see eye to eye on a lot of things because some of the, just the fundamentals, our human fundamentals, our wiring, that stuff that happens when you're a kid, when when life is happening to you, you ha- you're not happening to life yet as an adult. You know, that's what we do. We happen to life and that's what we think. But so as a kid, life is happening to you. And so, and, and, and when you get the wherewithal, when you're a little bit older and you go, oh shit, like life was happening to me that whole time and it made me into this. And this is the creature. This is what I get to start with. Now I'm cognizant and I'm doing a little inward looking and now I'm going to take what I've become and I'm going to and I'm going to build on it. I'm saying that the blo- the building blocks I think are, are fundamentally different now with 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 a, a generation of people growing up with the internet by their side. Let let me put it to you that there that there is possibly a a more naturally organic uh, optimism that that is not just Pollyanna. That's that's not just um, uh, trying to convince yourself that 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 things are going to be better than they're going to be. But that is just generally. Um, and, and I'm going to say something that's that's very anecdotal. But but then I'm going to uh, draw on what I what I hope is is, is a meaningful um, uh, uh, historical uh, metaphor. So, like you and I are, uh, yeah. I think that I, as I read the, um, uh, so you, you're you're sort of end of Generation X, and I always identify as kind of the, the last year of Generation X. But uh, this this term Xennial gets used, or Xennial, or, mm. or however you pronounce it, uh, for my sort of um, uh, th- this borderline um, uh, generation that that I'm in, uh, that is that is called the the last. 
of the uh, digital immigrants. So the, the last of the, um, and, you know, everybody's called, um, uh, you know, uh, digital native after, you know, the millennials are the first um, people that, that grew up with the internet. They, they, they don't remember a time before um, this, this digital life. Um, but they also grew up in a society that was just turning onto it. So all, all this stuff was, all this stuff was very new. Like, and so it's still, it's, even though it was a, it was a society that had the internet, it was a society that was just turning to it and just, just learning it. So my daughter is seven years old. She like does not make any distinction between YouTube and TV in any mm-hmm. kind of meaningful sense. She doesn't really make any kind of big distinction between the various screen sizes in the house. If she's mm-hmm. watching on a phone or watching on a TV, all that kind of stuff that would seem very kind of um, foreign to, to, to you and I, like, yeah, she is, she's grown up in a different century than, than, than we did. Yeah. But what you just described about going out on the bike or going out in the, like the, the, the biggest difference between uh, what you, you described and what she experiences is just that, she's, just that she's living the urban version of that. So mm. she goes out on a weekend and I mean, right now they're wearing masks, but like during normal times, they're just, they, the kids from the co-op go outside, they, they play for hours and hours and then they come back in. They're, they're, like she would still much rather be outside riding around on bikes or running around playing tag or doing the like pretend zoo with stuffed animals um on on the on the patio at the of the 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 little girl who lives across from us like that's 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 her world and for for her the internet isn't this new exciting thing where everything cool and novel is happening it's it's like the kitchen cupboard, man. It's just something that's there. It's, yeah. it's, it's a given for her. Well, it's, maybe... not, it's not, it's, there's no fetish to it. And so I that's wonder if, um, you know, because we, we live, you know, if, if you compare it to the, the private automobile, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and uh, the way the boomers were the first generation that essentially kind of lived, uh, you, know, pr- you know, particularly the, the sort of uh, white suburban North American boomers were, were the first uh, uh, generation that lived, in, you know, yep. in cities and uh, sorry, so not cities, like, you know, but, but in townships or, or, you know, suburban, you know, civil, civil civic arrangements built for the automobile. Yep. Um, the, 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 and they live their lives around that automobile, yep. the, 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 the recreation centers that the kids went to swimming pools, uh, to swimming lessons in the soccer practice, everything was, everything was built around that car. And it would have seemed in that moment, like suddenly life was something completely different from the kind of city block, Everything that you needed was, you know, within a uh, six or seven block radius. Everything you yep. needed to get to, you got to on public transit. There was, there was, you know, a generation and a half, two generations where we, we lived on that model. And then as we got used to the technology and as we realized how destructive the technology could be in various ways, the hold lessened. Mm-hmm. And now you have people who like, like, my wife is 38 years old, doesn't have a driver's license. My brother is three years younger than me, got his driver's license, you know, I think three, two years ago and only got it because of work stuff. People are moving 
out of the suburbs, you know, yep. in droves and returning to cities, returning to lives where, you know, and, and we have not given up the private automobile, but things like car shares or, or um, uh, public transit use or, or bicycles, what, whatever. I mean, I don't want to talk as though uh, the, the private automobile is in the past, but in some ways, maybe that's actually helpful to the metaphor because, the, you know, the internet is not going to be in the past either. But yep. I, I wonder if it's, if it's going to be as quite as stark. I am, and you know what? It's nice to hear your positivity around this. Do you know the joke about how many folk singers does it take to screw in a light bulb? <laughs> no. The four, four, one to do the light bulb and three to sing in harmony about how they like the old one better. <laughs> That's me. I, I, I'm always going to be sort of lamenting how we sort of lope towards the future. But, but hearing you say that and even crystallize, crystallizing it in, in such a lovely way, like... It does make sense, and yes, like the our there was a, a, a generation, two generations, maybe three. Like we definitely fetishize the automobile. That does seem to be waning. We are currently fetishizing the internet. That will maybe it will be just as a, just a drab piece of the atmosphere for the future. Um, I think it's here to stay. I think we are going to meld ourselves into it and it into us more and more and more. And I am just growing. I'm trying to achieve a certain comfort with that. I, I feel like the 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 inevitability for humans to move towards a, a technical existence, and that tech becomes part of our health, part of our um, our bodyscape. I, I guess I'm feeling like. The other night I watched a SpaceX launch and and subsequent return with the with the rocket. Like, you know, we fed it, we were into space as kids. Like, that was a great thing about the 80s. Space was this place that, you know, wars happened and it was exciting and the ships were cool and, and it, and, it was it was wonderful and but here I am again, like somebody who at 46 and feels like, oh yeah, I've seen it all, to watch a rocket land back where it shot from on its arse end and have these these little rocket propulsion things of steering a rocket back straight into a land on top of a pad. Have you seen this? And no. and the ma the madness of it, to me, it's like, well, I mean, I didn't really expect to see this either. Like, I didn't expect any of this. And <clears throat> I'm really not making any eloquent sense, not like you are. No, I'm, no, 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 I'm, no. I'm apologizing for for some of my, my darkness around this because... <clears throat> I like the old way, and I think there was a quality to the old way. But again, the reading through this history book, like this is one of the fundamental things. Like, it's my ego that sees what sees what my generation achieved, and what I have achieved, and what the the, the wonderful experiences I've amassed, and all the places I've been, and the people I've spoken to, and. The, all of the opportunity that my choices have afforded me, and it's so exquisite. And then I think, but here comes this thing, this somewhat monstrous entity, in to, to totally change the menu for the future. Like, it, 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 it almost feels like if you liked this restaurant, yeah, we don't, do, we don't serve anything that you used to like. <laughs> yeah. This was a restaurant you used to love. You used to come here with the family. Oh, God, we love that place. Remember we used to eat that thing? Oh, yeah, and that hors d'oeuvre, beautiful. Well, the menu's totally changed. It's under complete new ownership, and we don't eat or cook or do anything the same. The utensils have changed. It's all changed. And it's. I don't know if I was expecting to feel like such a fish out of water at a time in my life where I still have 
all of my creative buoyancy, all of my youthful, aggressive, competitive spirit, all of that stuff. And, and, and it's been turned into a universe that I don't understand. And I'm sure dads the world over have felt this for thousands of fucking years. <laughs> that they, all of a sudden, what happened to my world? I don't, I don't fit into it anymore. And, and, and that's, it's, it's almost laughable that I have these feelings. I mean, I'm watching, you know, my record, the, uh, the Less Rage, More Tears, is, is a comment on a shifting hormonal apparatus. So I watched my dad shift from a guy full of rage to a guy who cried at everything, and that's happening to me now. And I'm, I can't help but have aging happen to me. I can't help but have my cellular makeup um, continue to push me forward into the person that I almost inextricably am without knowing that I am a series of of learned responses to things. I thought I was in control of myself. It turns out I barely am. You know, where did all this come from? Where did this accoutrement come from? Why so much baggage? Why do I have to figure this new thing out now? I mean, in, in some ways to go back to some of the earlier motifs we were discussing, like I'm learn, I, I'm obsessed with learning stuff right now. And in fact, I've taken the odd, you know, gig that hasn't necessarily paid me properly because I see that there's a learning opportunity. And this is brand new to me. I'm like, oh, God, can you imagine? Okay, well, the money's not amazing, but it'll give me a chance to do something I haven't done yet. I'll be able to interact with this piece of software. I'll be able to master it in the time that I'm going to do this or whatever it is. Like, I feel now I am inspired by, by modernity in the sense that... <clears throat> accessibility and learning is right there. There is just no excuse. And maybe too, because it was really cute for me as a rock star back in the day when I had a proper record deal and I had people around me who were swirling and, and, and twirling to, to make things right for me. And, and then all of a sudden I'm spat out the other end of a, of a, of a dead or dying business where that really doesn't happen anymore. And it's kind of exciting to have to do things for myself. But for a long time, I was like, man, you know, I don't know how to do that. Can you just record that vocal? No, you kidding me, man? I don't, I don't know how to do this thing. And it's like, well, all of a sudden, that's not cute anymore. Like, it's ridiculous. You know, like, I, it's ridiculous that you want to have a job in the culture business and you don't know how to turn the computer on. Like, it seemed cute for a while in the early 2000s. And people thought, isn't that hilarious? It's great. What, what, it must be amazing being him. He, gets to, he just gets to have somebody else do that stuff. Well, we can't afford the people to do that stuff anymore. So now I would have been sitting alone, you know, twiddling my thumbs had I not been sort of filled with this excitement that what is interesting about this internet universe is that the competitive atmosphere of learning and sharing ideas like what I have learned from YouTube is utterly astounding and the person I've become thanks to the readily available information. The other thing I will say is I see these 10-year-old music kids on the YouTube who who are phenomenally advanced. And that's, you know, from the drummers that I idolized when I was a kid, I had to buy the records and, and reverse the tape and try to figure out what was going on just using my ears. If you want to learn how to play a complicated beat now, there was going to be 200 people a click away to show you exactly how to do that thing. So in a way, to, to speak even to your what, what's hockey going to look like in 20 years with this 18 months of, uh, of sitting around, well... There, we've already bridged so many rivers that we used to have to swim across just by being able to watch and look and replay and watch and look and replay. And if you don't like the way this person's trying to show you how to do it on the YouTube, there's 199 more people that will show you how to refinish a staircase or play this complicated drum beat or cook this kind of southern dish. Like, this is simply av available. And again, I think what I've enjoyed about this is that I get to beat back my 
my old manness, that willingness to just sort of, I've learned enough, you know, that, which is, it's, it's a very, I think it's maybe, it's, I, maybe this was just something that was in my family, but I feel like males in general, we, we learned, we learned the skill we needed to learn in order to bring home the thing that kept the family running or whatever that was. And once we got that skill figured out, you just keep going and operating and you, you keep using that skill. And it's, it must've been a wonderful thing. The, the, what's amazing now is that the modernity doesn't, permit that kind of life at least I think in your and my competitive cult like the atmosphere of, of being in arts and culture there is just there's just no choice we cannot sit back and just ah you know let it come to you it's just yeah. not it's not a time where that serves anybody anymore and if there's anything that's exciting it, I will say that it does serve my sort of competitive um, instinct that the internet has offered up a lot of readily available learning and opportunities and opportunities to exist in, in, in artful ways that are, that I would have shat on not that long ago, but I've sort of turned, tried to be very David Lynch about it and say, no, like recording movies on VCR, it's great. And I'll, here's why, you know, like, uh, anyways, I, I, I'm getting, I'm making less and less. No, sense. no, no. It's all, uh, it's all landing, man. And I, I just, uh, yeah, as, as my father says, uh, my father who you met in, in Halifax yeah. at the, uh, at the, the God who comes, uh, which, uh, essentially, uh, translated means, uh, uh, I'll go to bed a little bit less of a dumbass tonight, uh, than when I woke up. And, uh, if we can all just kind of hold to that. Uh, I think, uh, it, it, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be okay. Uh, buddy, I'm, I'm going to have to have you back uh, again. I just, uh, I love talking to you as much as I love listening to you. Uh, the internet sucks, but uh, please use it to go <laughs> listen to some Hotsley Workman albums. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, that. I love you, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. You're fantastic, and I love you too. Talk to you soon. Bye.